Welcome, welcome world. We are back here on Manage Your Damn Money with myself, Ben, and my co-host, Malcolm Etheridge. Malcolm, how are you doing after a long, about three-week hiatus for you? Two weeks for me. Feels like forever, man. And and, and according to the people on Twitter, we were missed. We were missed just a bit. Shout out to Lauren who said uh, we we were messing up her podcast rotation for Traffic in L.A., uh, so thank you, Lauren, for always listening and uh, you know hitting us on Twitter. We're back in action. Uh, had a couple vacations. Where'd you go, Malcolm? I was in Mexico. Mexico. What with part of my Mexico? Terrible Spanglish. <laughs> Just outside of uh, outside of Cancun. Okay. Very good. Was it a relaxing trip? It was cool. Yeah. I mean, like I, I didn't have very much uh, connectivity to anything. I didn't really take anything with me but right. a cell phone. So. Whether I wanted to or not, I was unplugged. Okay. So very good, very good. Yeah, uh, I sent Malcolm at least three or four texts, and none of them got responded to. While he was <laughs> in uh, Mexico, uh, and then myself, I actually just got back from Barcelona, Spain, España uh, last Wednesday. So it was a very nice trip with uh, thirteen other people, including the wife. Uh, exciting trip, wonderful experience, great wine, some good food, great people. Nude beaches, you know, it was kind of nice, interesting experience. Do you now speak Portuguese? I do not speak Portuguese. They speak Spanish in Spain. So you didn't stay long enough to uh, pick up any. Uh... Well, I used to be fluent in Spanish, or How do close you... to be fluent, close to fluent. So you lost it. I lost it. So what I learned when I was in Mexico, trying to have a conversation with people just in a restaurant or whatever, mm-hmm. is that I don't speak Spanish with people enough on a regular basis. Sure. To be as good as I remember my Spanish actually being. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm like filling in words that I'm hoping they understand. Como se dice. Right. And right. then like, you know, people are laughing at me and still kind of like, they give you a pass, I think, because uh, they're, they're glad that you care enough to try. Right. So, you know. That's what's up. Well, uh, we want to remind folks you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, it's been a minute. Some things have happened since we've been gone. Cardi B came out with a hot song called Bodak Yellow. I don't know what Bodak is, but the song's hot. Malcolm, ironically. Hot is subjective. (laughs) You haven't even heard it. I have not. We're going to make sure he hears it after this show. Um, Also, your boy, who I'm going to call from here forth, Sean Carter, released an album. Wait, so you're going to call him by his government name and that somehow Sean Carter. Okay. He, he's a 47-year-old father of three. <laughs> his name is Sean Carter. So that Carter. takes away from his ability to rap? Isn't the first... I didn't say anything about rapping. Isn't the first thing talking about... The first song about, like, he's done with Jay-Z, at least as the name? That's not the first song. It's um, the second one? That's probably, like, four or five tracks in, but okay. I get where you're going. Okay, you see what I'm saying. Uh, what do you think of it? Our, our very warm, hot takes, because it's been a couple of weeks now. Right, it's not even new anymore. No, no. Nah. Cardi so, B's more new than this. So, I tell you what, after uh, sitting on it for a few a few weeks, which is in Jay-Z land, like 20 spins for <laughs> of the whole album, I uh, will say I felt like he might have, like, on the low, listened to our podcast a little bit. Ah, like, definitely. You, you got some loaded tracks in there, like, talking about legacy and financial planning and, you you know, estate planning. Like the song starts off like "Daddy, what's a will?" We right. just did a show on talking to your parents about their will. 
Like, if Jay Z, if somehow on accident you are to catch this show, right. I want my residuals. <laughs> Just, I'm putting that out there. Because we already understand the importance of residual income. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had a whole bunch to say about his album, but I don't <laughs> care anymore to say it. To well, share. You, so I'm glad you finally listened to it though, because you were I did. resistant. I did. I, I, and I'm, for those of you who don't know, who aren't uh, that much tied into the show yet, right? Ben's favorite rapper is Two Chainz, so everything he says <laughs> is disqualified. <laughs> from, no, it's not. Uh, no, really, his favorite artist of all time is Usher, but still, in my mind, <laughs> that disqualifies him from having a conversation substantively <laughs> on rap music. But anyway, go ahead. I, listen, all I can say is this. After reflection, further reflection, I think it was a... How do I say? It's His music's always very nostalgic of original hip-hop. And the thing that I don't really connect with is the way he doesn't push music and sound forward. It's just... And I understand he's staying true to the roots of hip-hop and whatnot, but Chance, Kanye West... Others are constantly pushing what sound means in terms of music. Um, and so I think that's where, I, and I'm also a West Coast kid. So like I grew up on Snoop Dogg, Warren G, Nate Dogg. But Dog. Snoop pushes the, the, pushes the envelope on his music, his new music. Snoop is also a 40 something year old father of three, by the way. I think, is it three? But. Uh, yeah, he, he, he's up there. Confirmed. Right. <laughs> Stop. So. Snoop is also somebody who is an example of trying to become contemporary with your music to keep up with what everybody else is doing. Right. And it sounds like hot garbage. <laughs> so I appreciate Jay-Z for sticking true to his Brooklyn roots sure. and not trying to be Chance the Rapper, sure. for example. I understand like, that. I appreciate somebody who's like, this is my sound. This is you know what I have to offer. And I'm just going to make better iterations of that. Right. But the message itself, right? Uh -huh. Like, what's better than throwing away money in the strip club? Credit. I appreciate somebody with the credibility of a Jay-Z coming through uh -huh. and sprinkling those gems all over everybody on the way back to doing whatever rich people do. Right. <laughs> I will say this. I need Jay-Z to be rapping about nothing but wealth and family and things like that. Because he's 47. He has nothing else to talk about. I can um, agree with you on that part. My bad. Sean Carter. Uh, <laughs> manage your damn money here with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, as we always do on every show, it is time for headlines. And um, the interesting headline that we pulled uh, is actually kind of an interesting story. Uh, the story headline was, here's what's happened to 20-somethings who came of age during the Great Recession. So that's very much like us. Uh, it was a recent MarketWatch.com story by Jillian Berman, which reported on findings from a study which found, or a study of 15 years surveying 15,000 high school students starting in 2002. That was the first survey. Then 2006 was the next one. And then 2012 was the one following. And this is, a, I guess, the students, the 15,000 students were you know, surveyed in those years. Um, the questions that the question that was asked: What happens to a generation of young people who grow up amid the dot-com crash, the worst terrorist attack on, on U.S. soil, and then the Great Recession? Um, more than 40% of them were unemployed at least once between 2009 and 2012, mm -hmm. uh, according to a study of that group released last week or at the time by the National Center for Education Statistics. Of those who are unemployed, young adults remained out of a job for an average of 10 months and nearly a quarter experienced three or more unemployed spells during that period. So it sounds like like our generation, the ones who came of age during that, you know, two zero zero and a number. Well, for years. context, you gave a bunch of dates, but to put mm -hmm. it in perspective, the specific group that was surveyed and followed mm -hmm. 
is either 30 or 31 years old right now. Right. So they're folks who were sophomores in high school in the year 2002. That's literally us. Right. So you and I, and then the folks who graduated high school the year before us, mm-hmm. would fall into that category specifically. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, it it is a very narrow grouping. Which absolutely, but it's a grouping that had a very specific experience. A couple other stats from the story: sixty percent of these people borrow to pay for their education, so borrowed money, took out loans, uh, with an average of thirty thousand dollars taken out in student loans. Uh, the cohort is having kids later. Uh, 31% had married and 33% had at least one child by their mid-20s. By comparison, among students who were in eighth, who were in eighth grade in 1988, 46% had married and 41% had at least one child by their mid-20s. So kind of that delayed adulthood start. Um, and then also high school sophomores in 2002, as Malcolm said, were much more likely to cohabitate in their 20s. So 23% were living together in 2012 when most were 26 years old. Among students who were in eighth grade in 1988, just one percent were cohabitating That's by the time they're twenty-six. Shift. That's crazy. So going ten to twelve percentage points from folks who had a kid to folks who didn't have a kid yet, right. I don't think is as much of a shift when you consider more people went to college and grad school and so on. So you delayed a lot of stuff. Right. But the cohabitation one is a 25 point swing. Yeah, that's huge. That is from one generation to the next. Yeah. That is huge. Mm-hmm. If that trend carries, that means 50% of the people in the generation <laughs> after us will live together after they graduate from high school. Right. We're not married. That is like huge. That's huge. Um, it's interesting because it's it, at least this particular story kind of painted a really bleak picture for the things yeah, that it was sad. It was a really sad story. Um, but one thing that I did get from it is like I know as a millennial, sometimes I feel like I'm like behind when it comes to the student loan debt or like buying a house or any of those these other like traditional markers of adulthood. This made me feel like at least I'm not alone. At least it's not just happening to me. This is a function of like what everyone is experiencing. So here's what's Interesting. I thought about this after I read it the first time and Mm -hmm. we like kicked it back and forth. Mm -hmm. I thought about it again and like we have a very specific generation in that, you know, everybody wants to lump everybody from 18 to 34 in one category called millennials. But I think we're in a bit of a unique spot. Folks who were born from like 1980 to 1990, I would say, or I I don't want to include 90s people. So I'll say 1979 to 1989. (laughs) So... In that 10-year window, Uh you have folks who had an analog childhood, which means you grew up doing everything on paper. You know how a typewriter works, and you remember a day when you turned in work to your teacher, not done on the computer. And then we have a digital adulthood where, you know, the computer, the internet, everything became a thing when we were, like, going off to high school from middle school and so on. Or the folks prior to that, you graduated high school and then you started working with the computer. Mm -hmm. But you can remember a time when there were both. So you mastered computers and your computer literate because it was available to you as a young adult, pre-teen. But you remember both before Before it happened. That's a very unique place to be, in my opinion, because... You can operate on both sides. That's true. So when you go to work every day, you can have a conversation with the people who come from the analog place. That's true. And you can have a conversation with the people who come from the digital place. Right. But the folks on either side of that have a hard time, I think, Ah. adjusting to one versus the other. Absolutely. So, you know, you can throw us into that millennial category and you guys this and blah, blah, blah. But the folks you're talking about, like us, Mm -hmm. high school sophomores in 2002, we're in a bit of a unique place in that the world fell apart 
bunch of times over the course of <laughs> our lifetimes. Yeah. So we probably have more of a pessimistic view of things than everybody else. Right. But then also, you 60% of the time, you had to take out a large, absorbent amount of money to go to college to mm-hmm. realize your American dream. Right. And then when you graduate, there's no job because in 2008, the folks who were in charge before we got a chance to have a say ruined it all. <laughs> so, like, you've never really had a right. chance at, you know, prominence. To, <laughs> and I say all that to further your point mm-hmm. about you could kind of feel like you're behind if you compare yourself to where you're supposed to be on the map based on the ideas. A previous. Yeah. Right. But then when you look at it in context, like, in some ways, folks are lucky to be where they are. That's true. You know what I mean? To That's even true. just have a degree. And, you know, I, and Right. Not have had to drop out of school because they couldn't pay to go to college. That's that kind true. of stuff. That's so. true. Um, we want to remind people you're listening and watching Manager Dan Money. We're going to take a quick music break in a moment. Um, but it's one thing that's interesting to me is we always come back to this theme, especially when it comes to money and personal finances, is how our experience as millennials and I guess to some extent the next generation after that is really impacting the decisions we make in terms of the things we spend money on, uh, you know, whether we buy avocado toast or buy a home (laughs) and, you know, what makes more sense long term and how those trends are actually creating uh, or could be creating a new norm for adulthood. Time will tell. Time will tell. We'll because see. Because it's it's not, again, I just pointed out, you know, you got a whole different swath of people inside right. of a larger subset right. that see the world completely different from everybody on both sides. Absolutely, absolutely. That is going to be something that's interesting to watch how you, you know, so time will tell. We okay, excellent. Well, uh, this is Manager Dan Money with Ben and Malcolm. We're going to take a real quick music break. We have a listener submitted piece by Miss Camila Chevelle. The track is called Stevie Wonder. You can follow Camila Chevelle on Instagram at Camila Chevelle. It's spelled K-A-M-I-L-A-H-C-H-E-V-E-L. Uh, Camila Chevelle, Stevie Wonder. Uh, Manager Dan Money with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. Need for him to sneak, but if he is, 
Here on Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. That was a nice, wonderful track by uh, Miss Camila Chevelle. That song is called Stevie Wonder. Uh, you can follow Camila Chevelle on Instagram at Camila Chevelle. Um, we got so excited about being back after pretty much three weeks off uh, that we forgot to preview today's conversation at hand. Uh, and today's conversation at hand, which we've been promoting on social media all across our social media footprint. Uh, millennials, Generation Z, and the arrival of the so-called Instagram career. Uh, for the last month, me, we, me and we at Manager Damn Money have been trying to understand the notion of what it means to have an Instagram career. People as young as high schoolers are taking their talents, or lack thereof, to Instagram <laughs> and social media platforms to create a following and working hard to monetize it. We've searched the internet, spoken to actual high school students, and tried to determine what this new career path is and whether it has the ability to generate lasting careers and long-term life-sustaining streams of income. Uh, so I don't need, so it's interesting how this got started. I think a conversation with my cousin, somehow we got into like people who make money off Instagram. And I feel like that's more and more becoming a thing that people are conscious of that you can like get, whether it's like through affiliate programs or like selling people's clothes, right. you can make some kind of like derivative income off of your following. Um, so I was like, wait a minute, like there's people who I follow who make money in some way, shape or form off Instagram. Is this like a new path that is forming for the millennial generation and also the generation Z, which is behind us? So like people who are in and exiting high school now. Right. Have you like, what, what are your initial thoughts on that, Malcolm? Uh, well, my, my first thought is that it's like a powerful tool when you think about I'm going to use the Instagram boutique as an example, right? So for those of you who <laughs> the aren't proverbial familiar, Instagram the Instagram Instagram boutique is right. basically the person who sells, the, hawks their wares, <laughs> sells their clothing uh -huh. uh, on via Instagram. Right. So it's direct to consumer in the sense that there is no physical shop for you to come visit, try right. on the clothes, return the clothes, any of that kind of stuff. It's literally based on you like how I and my models look in right. the pictures on Instagram wearing the clothes. Absolutely. And you say, you know what? I'll take that shirt or dress or whatever it is. You buy it. It comes to your home eight weeks later, <laughs> and you try it on, and it has you to say, be eight weeks. Later. It looks well because it never comes when it's supposed to. <laughs> and then you say, "This looks nothing like how it looked on." No, I'm joking. But so like that created a direct to consumer right. footprint mm -hmm. pathway that you know completely omits the need for like a Nordstrom or a Macy's or right. a JCPenney or whoever else, but then also the boutique stores. Right. So there once upon a time used to be these things called boutique stores <laughs> that you could go to to buy your clothes. Also known as department stores. And, and well, they had unique clothes that department stores wouldn't carry. Oh, And now yeah. you don't need those anymore. Yeah, the you physical don't. physical footprint. You don't. Because you have somebody who can go online, sell mm -hmm. that directly to the consumer and right. so on and so on. Now I've heard plenty of horror stories about how, again, the clothes don't look like they did right. in the picture and whatever. But that right there shows that it is a perfectly viable way to make money. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not sustainably sure. because people's business practices aren't, you know, such always that consistent. Make you want to come back and buy again. Right. But I'm sure there has to be somebody who's out there doing it right. And to that point, uh, after conversations with Malcolm, uh, my cousin and a couple of other people, um, 
There was a story that came out that we actually pulled for this particular episode. The headline read, this 22-year-old Instagrammer is one of the most powerful new players in the DC restaurant scene. Um, and for those who are watching, we have a clip of the uh, actual shot or the story on the screen. Um, it was a piece from The Washingtonian, and it profiled a, a student named Justin Shubble, whose Instagram handle, which don't be offended anybody, his Instagram handle is DC Food Porn. And the account has earned him between, he said, $40,000 and $50,000 part-time while in college. Mm -hmm. um, and an excerpt from the actual story, it was a quote. It said, the Hilton is paying Shovel $500 to stay in its 2000 a night presidential suite and to eat at its restaurant and bar, all, exchange, all in exchange for two, two, two photos. So just two photos. Two photos, he gets $500 and he gets to stay in the presidential suite and eat and drink for free. Uh, at the time that we actually put this together, uh, DC Food Porn or Justin had 172,000 followers at his account, um, which is pretty like incredible that he's pulling part-time mm -hmm. 40 to 50K a year um, just by going, essentially his method is he goes and he like takes pictures of people's uh, dishes at different restaurants and he does he has a very specific style and the way that he frames his photos so on and so forth um but but that very clearly is like you go to college to figure out a way to make money mm -hmm. and it's like he's literally making money right now facebook effect facebook effect in his dorm room he created his job that he's gonna have once he graduates indeed so i, I think I, I i read justin graduated actually yeah um, yeah yeah but essentially he created a stream of income from from nothing Right. Like Instagram accounts are free. They first are. First of all, he already owned the camera because he was an enthusiast. Right. And so he literally just had to spend the money that it took to go to restaurants and buy the dish. Right. So there was a part in there where he's talking about his dad asking him, like, why is he spending so much money eating? <laughs> and why is he noticing on bank statements like this kid is going around town buying the exact same dishes three times in a row and right. stuff like that? Right. Um, so it takes, you know, a couple of dollars to get started initially. But from what I understand, literally everywhere he goes now, he eats for free. Right. He goes different places around the country by invite. They pay his expenses for travel. It's a form of income. He eats for free. Absolutely. So that's probably not included in that forty to fifty thousand nope. dollar endorsement nope. money. That is just an ancillary fringe benefit. Right. So like what does that mean that someone like him or someone with a successful online boutique, mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean for what is like is it even worth and maybe we'll get to this later, but it seems like there's a new pathway or at least an option. And to that point, I spoke to a recently graduated high school senior who said, by her view, maybe like 20-ish percent of her like cohort, and this is somebody who's graduating high school now, going out to college, is consciously aware of the pathway to income that Instagram can be. Mm -hmm. like, And that they're actively working towards building their following such that they can make money off of it. Okay, Which is a fascinating thought because it's like, you could be a doctor, lawyer, or accountant, but instead you're going to say, I'm going to place my bet on being an Insta-famous. Right. So as I've told you before, that's my fear. Okay. And I've been saying this for uh, at least a year now, that my fear is that the folks who have the mind for science okay. or the mind for numbers, who would be tomorrow's doctors, lawyers, engineers, astronauts, so on and so on. Right are going to say, well, I can make just as much money, if not more, right. 
taking pictures of food. <laughs> and that's a real Why statement. Why would I go through 12 years of school to learn how to cut people open? Absolutely. And be stressed out and everything else. Have student loans pay back. All I have to do is take pictures of food. Right. And that's my way. Right. The challenge to that is how many Justin Schubels are there out there? Right, exactly. And aside from how many of them are there, how many people, how many of those people is there room for? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think it creates this environment where every, everybody's aspiring to something they're not going to get to, <laughs> but you're not going to realize that you're not going to get there until you've already gone past where you should have been. Absolutely. If that made any sense. Some people would say, and I'm play, play devil's advocate, some people would say, you are a pessimist, sir, and you are old. I'm a realist. Okay. I, I idolized Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> but I knew I wasn't going to grow to be 6'6", six, six, uh-huh. and I wasn't going to be knocking down, you know, 20-footers at 80% a, a season. So, you know, I couldn't hit a free throw, let alone uh, uh, dunk on eight people. Uh-huh. So I knew I wasn't going to be Michael Jordan at right. 10. But you have a 10-year-old somewhere in America who's looking at India Love, who was on the screen a little bit ago, uh-huh. and saying, I could do that. I I'm cute. That. Right. People like me. Right. So that person is now, you know, instead of trying to figure out how do I get myself in a place that I can go on to become the world's next cardiovascular surgeon, I'm going to become India Love Part 2. Right. And then when Instagram no longer exists, <laughs> or we've moved on, what do I do with myself? Absolutely. I don't have any other skills other than taking pictures. To give an, another piece of perspective for uh, Justin in particular, but even other situations, people making money. Um, Justin is, doesn't count, by the way, because he doesn't. He, he comes <laughs> from money, so he, he doesn't count. He doesn't count, but he's an example of how you can create a career. Um, another excerpt from this particular story, uh, which will help people understand better, like, what we mean when we say career. Um, he has since shot for Chobani, Greek yogurt, Open Table, Voss Water, Hellman's Mayo, Good Humor, and so on and so on, commanding as much as $1,500 for a single photo and $2,000 for a video. McDonald's once paid Shovel $2,000 to fly to its headquarters outside Chicago, where it has an quote-unquote Instagram studio with a kitchen and props. In the past year, he's made between forty dollars and $50,000, which we mentioned, already more than a Hill staff assistant salary. So on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. he's making more than somebody who went to college and said, I want to work on the Hill and I want to have a career on the Hill. He's making more than them, which is kind of like, dang, maybe I should reevaluate what my goals are if, or at least that's what this would suggest. Or, um, or those jobs need to pay more. Or <laughs> if those you jo- want to attract my attention and make it, you know, competitive for me to come work as a staffer on the Hill versus going and being an Instagram food. Uh, critic or right. whatever, pay me more. Now it's <laughs> now it's more appealing for me to go do that. Absolutely. Would it? it, it is this going to impact higher education at all, or is this just kind of like? You know, I think higher education is impacting higher education. <laughs> like the cost, the barrier to going to college mm-hmm. is the cost. Absolutely. That's the number one barrier for everybody. Right. right. So I think it's getting in its own way more than any other market factors like Instagram or people just being lazy or anything else. Like, I really think the problem with college is how we pay for it right. and how it, how much it costs. Absolutely. So I'm trying to figure out a way to not have to go the college route, to not have to saddle myself with 50 grand worth of debt. In order to make a living. In order to go make a decent living. Right. So that's kind of where the Instagram famous thing comes in or Absolutely. chasing the pro athlete dream kind <laughs> of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we want to remind people you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money. We're going to take a really quick music break in a second. Uh, but we want to remind folks that if you have a question, comment, or you want to see Malcolm and I 
discuss a particular topic or we can get a guest on and talk about it, just send us an email at info at managerdamnmoney.com. You can also always find us on at www.managerdamnmoney.com. And you can follow us on social media. What's your handle, Malcolm? Uh, at Malcolm on Money. And then mine is at MYDM1, also the company account. Uh, and uh, what else we got? Facebook, facebook.com backslash Manager Damn Money. Follow us on there. Um, you can always listen to uh, past episodes of Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts. Just search Manager Damn Money. Same thing on soundcloud.com. Just search Manager Damn Money and you'll find us. Uh, we're going to take a real quick music break. You're here with Ben and Malcolm on Manager Damn Money. We will be right back. Manage your damn money on our new day and time. Uh, we moved the show to from Monday to Tuesday. Uh, we're now Tuesdays at 7 p.m. for those who watch live on listenvisionlive.com. Uh, but on today's show, today's conversation at hand, uh, millennials, Generation Z, and the rival of the so called Instagram career. I posted a bunch of stuff on social media uh, of like existing social media Insta famous people. Mm-hmm. So there's like Blame It on Quay, who I don't even know if you're aware of. He he does like a Shanene TT thing. No, thank you. Okay, no, thank you. All right, fine. Uh, then there's, uh, we posted Rob Hill Sr. who posts about love and relationship. No, thank you. <laughs> then we have, uh, who else did I, oh, Cardi B. No, thank you. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, then we had, who else did I post? The last one, a young girl named, uh, I can't remember her first name, but her last name is Bergoli. But she's, Catch Me Outside, girl. Catch Me Outside. How about uh, that? Uh, how about, how about that? See, I go where the adults hang out on social media. <laughs> I don't, uh... Where is that? MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> is that where the adults hang out, Malcolm? So please tell us. No, there's an adult section of Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> I, Facebook, and everything else. You know what's hilarious? My wife will sometimes pull me over and tell me what you comment about on Facebook. She's like, why is Malcolm talking about power? What do you mean? Like, I, I don't, don't watch I don't... TV? <laughs> exactly. What? This is the adult section. Oh, okay. Well, but Power is an adult show. I suppose you're correct. See, I, I, you know, I don't watch, like, reality shows like, you know, the basketball wives of whatever country they're in now. <laughs> or, like, you know, whatever nonsense is that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But there's something about Power and, like, Insecure and Ball. Oh, yeah, all yeah, the shows yeah, that yeah. come on on paid-to-watch networks. Sure. 
those have me wrapped up. Okay, that's good programming there. Um, but as I mentioned before, we're talking about uh, the arrival of the Instagram career. And doing some added research, we came across an Instagram handle called Girl With No Job. She's a young woman named Claudia who posted memes. And in 2016, says she had done so five times a day, every day for the previous t- two years. Um, and as a result, she now has 2.7 million followers. Um, and in doing some research, he said, mm-mm. Uh, in doing some research, I found this story that we're going to play a snippet from. It was by ABC News in 2016. Uh, Jay, can we play that, please? To anybody above the age of, say, 25, the idea that you can start an Instagram account, post some silly pictures, and get millions of followers and then turn it into a lucrative job probably sounds a little crazy, but maybe we're the ones who are crazy. Check out who ABC's chief business and economics correspondent Rebecca Jarvis recently met. It's happy hour in New York City. (laughs) Dozens of 20-somethings are here for a meet and greet with one of their favorite celebrities. She is the creator of their favorite memes, like this cat who spends way too much time looking like this after a shower. Or this photo of Kim Kardashian passed out in a bed on a Saturday night despite making plans to go out. And this hilarious take on summer dieting, or the lack thereof. Her name is Claudia Oshray, and she's built a massive following. So that was a little piece on uh, YouTube from ABC News, uh, Claudia Oshray. And like I said, 2.7 million followers and a little bit more about that particular piece. It, the journalist, she didn't say what she made per sponsored post or per appearance, but the, the journalist who was doing the piece said it can be anywhere between five and $10,000 per post, which is insane, right? For like to a me, girl with no job. <laughs> for a girl with no job, literally. Um, and it's like, this is a clear formula for a quote unquote Instagram career. It's like content plus influence equals brand deals with companies who want product exposure. And with 2.7 million followers, that's as good or even better than like some TV shows, some radio shows. Heck yeah. Like, and you get more engagement. So that's a, she's a better buy than like. But the challenge to that then is if I am someone looking at her today thinking I could do that. Right. Do I believe lightning will strike twice? Right. Because she clearly got lucky, had the right timing, was in the right place at the right time with the right look and the right whatever else. Right. And that happened for her. Absolutely. So do I believe then that lightning will strike twice for me? Sure. And if I do want to go down that path, I would say treat it the same way I mentioned before the professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Treat it the same way as the kid who wants to be the professional athlete because he or she idolizes Serena Williams, for example. Right. One of my top three favorite athletes of all time, by Mm -hmm. the way. But if I'm thinking I want to play tennis like Serena Williams and she makes millions of dollars and whatever, (laughs) what do you say as a parent? Right. But have a plan B. Sure. So if you think Instagram is going to be your path to gazillions of dollars, then by all means, chase it. Right. But at the same time, you have to have something logical to fall back on in case lightning doesn't strike twice. Mm -hmm. And now you're 19, 20. Right. Still chasing that dream five years later (laughs) trying to be an Instagram star trying to decide do I go to college or not right (laughs) like there has to be a cutoff where you say let me work on like Dak Prescott the quarterback of my favorite team in all of the world the Dallas Cowboys all of the land is chasing a PhD right now really I just recently read that he just got accepted to a PhD program I didn't even know the dude had a master's degree (laughs) 
And he does? Yes. He's wow. now been accepted to a PhD program, and he's the quarterback of one of the most popular football teams in all of America. That boy is smart. That right there says to me, like, he's got his plan B, C, D, E, right. you know, whatever, already thought through. Who am I to have, like, all my eggs in the Instagram basket? Absolutely. Or all my eggs in the I'm going to play football basket or whatever else. So that, that's essentially what I'm what I'm getting at. You got to at least think, well, what am I going to do if and when this thing doesn't pan out? The wife points out in particular for this whole Instagram career thing that if you're not attractive, <laughs> don't even give it a shot. Like, mm. if you're not cute, don't even try to be posing on the gram like you go that's a fair point which is a little i don't know if that sounds but bad that's or not. you know what that's a fair point because instagram is built on playing to people's vanity anyway yeah man like hey all of what instagram is is hey look at me look at what i got look at how cute i am look at what i'm doing thing. so Absolutely. if you don't fit the mold of that then she's right then you know i didn't come to instagram to see x i came to instagram to see pretty people right and, you know like pretty people living flashy lives okay. and, you know that make me feel bad about myself because i don't have what they have but if i was to somehow come into some money i'd have those abs too or whatever like that, that kind of thing so she's got a point uh absolutely um real quick we i mentioned in the story that particular uh abc piece um between five thousand and ten thousand dollars per post i just took that at face value and said let's say a person was able to sustain that over the course of a year doing like five deals per month so right. five sponsored posts per month um that would between 5k and 10k would give somebody thirty thousand dollars between excuse me three hundred thousand dollars and six hundred thousand dollars annually now that is actually the beginnings of what wealth looks like so it's one of those things where if this young lady claudia or any of the other people we've mentioned before um are able to net a certain amount consistently they will do better for a span of 10 years than someone who pursues kind of a traditional career, you know, works their way up the ladder. Um, so but what, I'm, what I would ask you then, since you definitely spend more time on social media and, and pay more attention <laughs> to this than I do. <laughs> what are you trying to say? About what me? would be? Well, no, I mean, you we've been through this before. You uh, are ultra millennial and I'm the opposite. Sure. Like I'm the old man. that's like, how did I get stuck with y'all? <laughs> so. Like in that regard, what would you say is then the blueprint for uh, somebody who is looking at what's happening now and say, I want a piece of that. I'm going to build X so that I can then get paid five and ten. What do you see as kind of being the trend for I'm folks be, who go down that road? I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. <laughs> because let's point out the, the fact that the girl, uh, Bergoli, okay. uh, Catch Me Outside, How About That, had nothing to do with her, her quote-unquote stardom. Okay. She literally fell. She was on the Dr. Phil show, mm -hmm. said something that ended up being clever and hilarious. Somebody remixed it into a clever, wonderful song. Catch me outside. How about that? Catch me outside. How about that? And that was her stardom right like there. Like the hide your kids, hide your wife, dude. Hide your kids, hide your wife. It was the exact same thing. They literally had nothing to do with it. And now she has 10 million followers, which when I actually clicked on her account and I saw 10 million, I said, what? She's not even legal yet. 10 million followers and apparently reading entertainment magazines because that's part of what I do for research for this show. Um... She can pull like <laughs> she's pulling like or supposedly like forty k for an appearance. Forty k for an appearance. I, I hate to sound like the hater that I know I'm going to sound like. <laughs> Talk to me about how much of that she has two years from now. Well, like you know, when you look at like that kind of stuff, uh -huh. like the, the the what's the girl, the honey boo boo girl, and the family. <laughs> 
all these spinoffs and the whatever, and uh-huh. everybody's kind of chasing that Kardashian model. Right. But no pun intended. But the difference is <laughs> that is an entire empire that was built 30 years ago. Sure. Where one lady said, if and when I have my harem of kids, this is how we're going to make money as a family. So the people who think that lightning is going to strike twice, my point again, uh-huh. have another thing coming. <laughs> And so talk to me about Cash me outside and talk to me about how much money She has two years from now How much that month that family blew through uh, Cause you know they didn't expect to be here And now all of a sudden like Things are being thrown at you You're like hilarious today uh, just, Real quick just Speaking the truth <laughs> Speaking the truth uh, Specifically I, I pulled some stats for her Her name is Danielle Brigoli specifically um, She has an estimated $200,000 of net worth currently That's estimated so that doesn't really mean, mean anything um, And like I said before She makes up to $100,000 On a product advertisement on social media um, And then I guess it's charging like i said 40k for meets and greets and then apparently she made an appearance forty thousand dollars to meet that little girl yeah oh man i said that oh man you weren't paying i think i thought you meant like for the year that's how much you've been able to amass or what appearance like you said a net worth of two hundred thousand dollars i'm like all right that's one car she'll be you know (laughs) Forty thousand. Somebody's paying forty thousand dollars to meet that little girl. Now he's converted. No, not no. I'm not converted. I'm outraged. Like, oh my god! Not people. I imagine that's places like saying, "Come to this place, and people will meet you." This country is in trouble. (laughs) Man. All right, Um, we're off the rails. We're not not even talking about money anymore. Um, But anyway, we're going to take a real quick music break. We want to remind folks you're listening and watching and manage your damn money, I think. Uh, (laughs) Or maybe your social media. I don't know what we're talking about today. Watching America Get Your Life. America Get Your Life. Uh, But we're going to take a real quick music break. We want to remind people you can always catch past episodes on Apple Podcasts. Just search Manage Your Damn Money and leave us a review. Those reviews help our podcast raise in the rating. So that would be wonderful. Um, And you can also find us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com backslash manager damn money. Facebook, Facebook.com backslash manager damn money. And on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, at Malcolm on money. And then I am, and the company is MYDM1. So we're going to take a real quick music break. Um, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the show, talk a little bit more about millennials, Generation Z, and the rival of the Instagram career. Uh, you're listening and watching Manager Damn Money. We will be right back.
are back here on Manage Your Damn Money with myself, Ben, and Malcolm. We're talking about Millennials, Generation Z, and the so-called, or as we are calling it, the Instagram career. The notion that people can hop on Instagram, build a following, and suddenly have a career that is not anything like we've done in the past. Um, so it's interesting. We've been having this whole conversation about this. A question that we kind of touched on earlier in the show. Why bother with becoming a doctor or lawyer when you can simply create when you can simply create a social media content for more money and without a lot all the preamble like school SATs and essays like mm -hmm. what's the incentive to even you know why not just do that as opposed to becoming a lawyer um you know what that's a really great question mm -hmm. and the answer is in my quick way supply versus demand mm -hmm. so i studied economics in college and what i learned was supply and demand work in opposite of each other. Okay. Right? What does so that mean? So as you have less supply of people who do those professional trades that you're talking about that are already America's highest paid people in the first place. Right. While everybody else is off chasing their Instagram famous <laughs> and I take my behind the law school and learn something that nobody else is going to be interested in doing. Well. The lawyers of today retire off and pass away and everything else. Mm -hmm. And that leaves just little old me right. to satisfy the world's most complex legal problems. Well. Which then means that you have to pay me what I say you have to pay me uh -huh. because I'm it. All right. So in that regard, I'm telling every little kid I can find, you should go to law school med school <laughs> or to whatever else Do and ignore serious. what they're doing on Instagram right? because I guarantee you 25 years from now mm -hmm. when they all are living outside of your gated community <laughs> protesting the fact that you have all this money sitting up in here right? you are going to be glad you listened to this podcast that Malcolm <laughs> told you to take your butt to med school and forget about the catch me outside right, folks right. you just successfully incentivized Pursuing a serious career versus becoming an insta celebrity. That's what I do. That's what you do. Malcolm's talent. Or go be a financial advisor. One or the other. If I can um, slide that in there. Right. And it's interesting because one of these things, it, it might not be that this is a new career at all, right? A lot of these people are pursuing, how do you say, pseudo slash 15 minutes of on fame. ramps of not so much the fame part, but they're literally like on ramps to traditional entertainment careers. Okay. And I think that might be something that is happening right now. I mean, there's always going to be a shift okay. in the old guard. Okay. Right? Like Drake was discovered by a mixtape that he put out on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at it in that regard, Drake kind of broke that mold. Right. Right. And then you got Chance the Rapper and SoundCloud. And right. him getting on, not having to go the traditional route of paying your dues, so to speak. Right. And becomes a successful rapper in his own right. Absolutely. Through a free platform. Right. So there's always going to be ways to get around the old guard and right. do it your way and right. so on and so on. Um, but the problem, which is a lot that happens with social media, people's perception becomes reality. Sure. And so if I see people on Instagram... Uh, with things that I want that signify to me that they've made a large amount of money, even that, though they haven't, right. that then incentivizes me to go chase that right. instead of the things that would get me to that right. later, right. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Talk about the other side. We talked a little bit about the economics of like the value of a lawyer when there are few and where lawyers are few and far between 20 years from now, right? Mm -hmm. But what about like... There, there's this point, and I actually am writing a piece about this for uh, our friends at Blavity. Um, but at what point are there too many accounts like Girl with No Job, or too many accounts 
like any of the people that we mentioned before where you can't have any more fashion blog accounts or you can't have any or it's no longer possible for you to do it and have the same level of success as the people who first were on the first you know frontier of the space right right like you had to be an early adopter as it's called you had and to you be had one to, of the first had, people to the party and you had to claim the space first you get the most followers but somebody who comes five years behind you might not necessarily get that same attention or the other side of that in my mind is it's the internet mm-hmm. attention is unlimited not true so it, all right so with that being said and you may disagree with me i think we already reached peak internet famous Okay. I think we already reached peak girl with no job and peak Instagram boutique and so on. Okay. Uh, and the way that I'll, I'll, I'll confirm that is Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, okay. the most profitable tech company mm. in the world. Right. He just got an Instagram account <laughs> like three weeks ago. Okay. He was posting like it was a big deal on the news okay. on, on uh, Bloomberg Business News that he's now on Instagram. Right. When the old dude like that shows up at the party, <laughs> it's over. It's time to go. <laughs> so that tells me we have already reached peak Instagram famous. Um, when you got a 50 year old CEO on Instagram just to show off his new shirt. I think it's hilarious that you're 29 and you, the thing you know about Instagram that happened recently is that Jeff Bezos got <laughs> on it. Like, I don't, that's anyway. Um, uh, another great show, Malcolm. First time back in like two or three weeks. Like riding a bike. Riding a bike, man. We, we didn't spend much time on money this time, but it was a funny show. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, the entertainment value was at 100. We, we promised we're going to come back strong with the money stuff. We're talking <laughs> about career. That's connected to money, I hope. Um, but we want to remind folks a couple of uh, housekeeping notes for those listening. Uh, our new time for those who watch live is Tuesdays at 7 p.m. here on ListenVisionLive.com. And then also, you can always catch us, like I said, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud.com backslash Uh We also are excited about our... The Negotiation Summit, we're running in tandem with the Corporate Alley Cat. Uh, it's going to be a six-part series, online seminar series. You don't have to go anywhere. You could just be in front of your computer. Uh, we're going to learn about the tactics of negotiating for salary and benefits when you're dealing with a new job or a current employer. So we're really excited about that. Um, and we encourage people to like sign up and learn more. We have the information all over our social media. Yeah. Also, uh, got a couple more pieces from myself uh, running on Blavity.com. One actually released earlier this week. I can't remember on what I wrote about. But just look on social media and you'll find it uh, at MYDM1. You can find everything that we do. Uh, Malcolm, where can people follow you? At Malcolm on Money. Absolutely. We want to remind you, if you need some information or want to talk to us, just hit us up on the website, www.managerdamnmoney.com. Until next week. Be good with your money. Peace. Peace. They say that money.